stories are the greatest treasure we have. They tell us where we come from. They tell us where we belong. They tell us what we're doing in the world and what we're aiming toward. And here on What Are You Reading, we aim to preserve and understand local stories. We're really thankful for who our guest is today and the, lo, really looking forward to a conversation yeah. with her. I'm Ian North, the Student Ministries Director at Open Table Community Church here in Brookhaven, Georgia. And I'm Tim Rhodes, a uh, media producer living here in, uh, in the Chambly area as well. Before we get to our guest, I do want to highlight we have been really fortunate to have uh, gotten some feedback from listeners. We uh, About a month or so ago, we kind of threw out a call like, hey, are there any books that uh, really stood out for 2017. And there were a few people that responded and we just thank you, first of all, for those responses, but we're going to get to one now. Um, Haley Cox, she uh, pointed out some of her favorites. My favorites were We Were Eight Years in Power. That's the new ta um, book of essays, as well as the Neapolitan novels, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness, The Fire Next Time, plus rereading Life After Life, the Kate Atkinson, not Joe McCorkle, and the Mad Adam trilogy by Margaret Atwood. And it's funny she mentions the Neapolitan novels because I just, and I can't remember if I told you or not, and maybe I did, I just finished the fourth book of the Neapolitan series. Yeah. And like two days ago. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I, um, I, I feel like whenever I try to speak about it, it's just like, the words can't come. It's, am- it's incredible. It's a really, really fantastic series. Long, um, a lot. It's, 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 a, it's a commitment, but it is yeah. absolutely worth it. And I also have that, uh, that, uh, Coates collection of essays. Um, mm-hmm. We were eight years in power on yeah. my shelf since the recent uh, sort of feud with um, Cornell West. Yeah, I've been interested in revisiting yeah. his work and I, seeing what's there. I'm excited to. I, I've read some of his essays, uh, especially that he's done for the Atlantic, like the case of reparations, mass incarceration, uh, and Black America, and a couple others that he did. And so I'm I'm really glad that he's kind of put it all into a body, like put it all into book form. Um, yeah. Among other um, essays um, during Obama's presidency, so I'm very excited to get to that. So thank you so much, Haley. We really, really, anything I say is going to sound really cheesy, but we really appreciate your uh, listening. It really means a lot um, you're listening in that you also responded with some great uh, book recommendations that we will definitely check out. All right, moving on. We are so excited. Speaking of someone who chipped in or chimed in with the recommendations, um, our next guest at reaching out to her is all basically because she responded as well to um, our uh, recommendation request. But today we are here with the program director of the Wren's Nest, Kaylin Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we have been looking forward to this. We ever since yeah. um, the Decatur Book Festival where we, right. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm one of those, I'm embarrassed to say it, but before the Book Festival, I don't know if I'd ever, I may maybe have heard the name the Wren's Nest, but I didn't know anything about it until coming and actually kind of asking about it at the booth. And so it was such a, an encouraging and just a, a, a wonderful experience being able to walk and learn more about the residence at the booth. And so thank you so much for what you do. And I want to ask what, like, what all does program director sort of encompass? Okay. Well, as program director, uh, one of the main programs I handle is the writing program, which is mm. called our Scribes program. Mm-hmm. We do it at two middle schools in our neighborhood, Brown Middle School and um, Kipps Drive Academy. Mm. And basically, we have a curriculum where we give them a new theme every year of what to write about. Usually it's fiction. Mm-hmm. 
And um, then they write their stories. We help them learn how to write a story Uh. with the help of one-on-one mentors Mm -hmm. that we get. We get volunteer mentors to work with us. And um, over the course of 12 weeks, we get stories out of the students, and then we publish them in a book. And um, every year, we have two books come out from our two schools. Um, and it's very exciting to do the book launch at the Decatur Book Festival. So those books, I'm sure I know the kids probably get them, but they're available to like for purchase or they're... They are. Oh, they're available wonderful. for purchase. Um, you can either get them at the Rents Nest or you can get them online. Yeah. And um, we're really hoping that eventually we can... Um, take it to the next level and have them available on Amazon. Oh, wow. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And so you do this every year. Was it, did you say just predominantly middle school students? Middle yes. School age? We're in the ninth year for our Kip Strive Academy students. And we just finished the fourth year with Brown Middle School. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. And yeah. what is your hope? So with these, with these kids, with this, this writing program, where does your hope that they'll learn from it and how, how, what are your hopes as far as what the, how they'll grow from this experience? Well, um, we really hope that we'll help them learn how to write, yeah. but also how to enjoy the art of writing yeah. and how to have a voice, how to mm. have a voice and, yeah. and to really be able to put down the things that they are thinking. Yeah. Uh, they have major imaginations. Mm. I mean, the things that they come up with for their fiction stories is just unbelievable. And I think, boy, I wish I had that kind of experience when I was their age. You know, I feel like I feel like I had my own book done by now, you know. But uh, yeah, but we also see them do better in public speaking because of it. And, um, you know, when they do their book launch, they have to do reading from their story um, in front of an audience. And That's so incredible. I'm finding that they're getting better at public speaking because um, at Kipps Drive Academy, the students usually start in fifth grade and some of them actually go all the way through to eighth grade. So they've done wow. the program year after year and they get better and better. Oh, wow. yeah. And um, we just had one of our former scribes that just did it last year for the last time as she's gone on to high school at oh, Kipp yeah. Collegiate. And she came back to visit and she said that even though she wanted to be a veterinarian, she has also decided she wants to be a journalist because of the Scribes oh, wow. program. And so she's on the journalism track in high school now. Oh, and uh, her name is Sanaya Parms. And so I was I was That's very awesome. excited to hear that. That that just, you know, makes us feel great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's such a like I, it's something that I think when you mentioned wishing you had that as well, just thinking back to my childhood, I've, that would have been so uh, beneficial. I don't, I feel like as children, we have like this imagination, but slowly as we go and learn, like yeah. it's a lot of times in school, we kind of learn the, the nose, the, exactly. there's, the, there's a lot of, I mean, I hate to say negative, but a lot of like sort of don't do that. You can't. And so it kinda, almost like stifling this, I, this right. creative imagination. So by the time you actually do have the ability, yeah. it's, it's tougher to, I don't know, to, to let that imagination come out. And yeah, so. we, I think we work with kids in a troubled neighborhood, and, and I think none of them realize how inspiring or interesting yeah. or moving their stories are until they have a chance to tell them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the, the in-person thing is great because then they get to see visible reactions, yeah. that, that human feedback. I think that's a really beautiful idea. Yeah. Right. 
And I hate, I, I feel bad doing this. This is, as you were answering, I realized I should have asked this question even before then, but taking a step back, can you, first of all, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people like me who were unfortunately just woefully ignorant of the wren's nest and that it, the fact that it's here in Atlanta. Can you tell us, I, I hate taking <laughs> even a further step back, but just in case, can you tell us more about the wren's nest and the purpose like of its existence and um, maybe even what, what attracted you so much, what, what made you want to, to be involved with it? Well, I tell you, um, you know, my background is um, journalism. Mm-hmm. And so I spent 17 years at CNN as a producer and on-air reporter. Oh. Um, in the end, I focused on travel and tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, being laid off when Time Warner uh, merged with mm. AOL, um, I started my own production company. Oh. And during that time, I started doing um, pilot programs for um, a couple of networks and then also doing corporate videos and promotional videos for nonprofits. And so Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters, or AIB, as a lot of people know them, actually um, had me do a pilot program for active seniors called Life Plus. And as part of that, I decided I wanted to come and uh, visit the Wren's Nest because it was um, in the segment talking about places to go and see around town. I had never seen the Wren's Nest. And I thought, boy, I have been in this city for more than 20 years. How did I not know that the Wren's Nest was here? So when I did the story and learned, you know, all about the Wren's Nest, I thought, this is amazing. And I saw that they were doing the Scribes Writing Program Mm. and decided I wanted to volunteer. And so that's how I started as a volunteer with the Scribes Program. And then when the executive director, who was Sue Gilman at the time, uh, told me that there was an opening because the last um, program director had just left, Mm -hmm. um, then I applied. And I was very thankful that I got the job. (laughs) So um, now I know a lot about the (laughs) Wren's Nest. And, you know, people a lot of times drive by the Wren's Nest and they'll say, I've been driving by it for years, but I never knew what it was Um, because it sits off of the street and um, people don't always decide to come in. But then you have the other people who say people who are even older than I am, um, older, over 50, who are saying that. You know, they remember it from when they were a kid and they would come and hear stories and, you know, and so but they hadn't been back in years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that we're still trying to get the word out because there are still quite a few people who don't know who we are or where we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there like um, had you were you I know you mentioned being, you know, involved in a lot of travel journalism and historical. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, Histori- or, I've done sorry. a lot of heritage tours. There we go. Well. That's yeah. Yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So was there? Did you already? So was there already an, a background element of knowledge about maybe either Joel Chandler Harris or just African American folklore in general? None. Mm-hmm. No, I um I had seen the film Song of the South when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. But I had never been told the stories. Yeah. You know, outside of that film, mm-hmm. so I didn't know about Joel Chandler yeah. Harris. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think it's interesting the way the so his people are pretty s- split on his legacy. Um they have a range of feelings about it. But I think the thing the Wren's Nest has done and said and said the part we care about is the preservation of folklore. Yes. And taking that tradition forward is a really beautiful and meaningful uh 
meaningful thing. I was mm-hmm. thankful they're there doing that. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we feel like um, we're, we've kind of come full circle with what Joel Chandler Harris was really trying to do. Um, he had written tons of books. He'd written over 100 books. They wow. didn't all do well because he wrote a lot about race relations. Mm-hmm. He wrote about the Civil War. And he believed that newly freed slaves should learn to read and write. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the wide sentiment at yeah. the time. Um, but his um, Br'er Rabbit folk tales, you know, the tales of Uncle Remus, was, he was the one who created the Uncle Remus character, yeah. but he got the stories from the slaves on the plantation where he worked. Wow. And so um, his book of tales uh, became extremely popular, and yeah. they're in more than 40 different languages around the world. But a lot of people didn't realize subversively he was trying to get his message across in those tales. So he still, you know, had um, a way of getting his message out to the masses without them really realizing it, you know. And so (laughs) that's that's something I really love about him, you know. And um, also, I think that um, having this scribes program Mm -hmm. and having the yeah. students who are learning to tell their stories yeah. is really another piece of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was thinking back about how, um, and especially you know, with with students and you know, just going back through history, um, how difficult it is, especially if you're among the minority or a part of the marginalized. It's 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 difficult to see voices like yours out there. Like it's it's very unique and it's not as common. And so. The ability to be able to kind of look back and see not only these but then also now to kind of lend your own voice and right. be, and uh that's just really i don't know that it's really powerful and really it really is. meaningful and i think i the hope is just the the encouragement that it will be to the to those children to know that their their voice is needed as well and absolutely and we're hoping that as they you know move on to high school and college that um, even if they don't major in journalism, um, we're hoping that they'll still have a love for writing yeah. and yeah. still be able to, you know, tell their stories, even if it's just journaling, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that some of them will come back and be mentors, yeah. you know, for the new crew mm-hmm. of scribes. Oh, man. Well, let's oh, talk man. about what you're currently reading. I was wondering if oh, there's, yes, are there it's... sort of contemporary, because... Uh, you're you're immersed in storytelling world. You're helping other people yeah. tell stories. Right. Is there some place you go to learn stories and to gain stories to to help refresh you for your work? Well, um, I really enjoy um, reading, mm-hmm. and so I belong to two book clubs. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> I think I've overextended myself yeah. actually. <laughs> But um, <laughs> along with that, you know, we've just started a new literary series at the Wren's Nest, which just started in January called Beyond Books. And so I have to read those books as well. <laughs> and so I'm like, hmm, I think I may have taken on too many books. Yeah. But uh, awesome. I belong to the West End Readers Book Club at West End Library. Oh, yeah. And um, the book that we're reading with that is The Mountain Between Us, which is a film right now with Idris Elba and mm-hmm. Kate oh, Winslet. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we're reading that book right now. Um, I also belong to a spiritual book club. 
And uh, we're reading Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change by Pema Chandran. I never know if I'm saying her name, her last mm -hmm. name correctly, but um, very famous Buddhist uh, nun. And then um, I love going to used bookstores. I love going to mm. thrift stores. I love yeah. getting books at Goodwill. Yeah. You know, I just love books. Yeah. Now, I have to admit, I have an issue with having too many books, so. <laughs> <laughs> There's no I, such thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly, that's what I try to tell people. Oh my goodness. But I have had to give 100 books to Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just have no space for all oh, these books, yeah. you know, and yeah. I have some built-in bookshelves, but they're yeah. overflowing. I have books on the floor. So, oh, yeah. um, but yeah. I will say, you know, um, I went to, um, uh, visit relatives in Houston and you know even my relatives they love thrift shopping and everything yeah. so we all went to some Goodwills there and in Austin Texas and I found this really cool book and it's called Amazing Kitchen Cures of all things <laughs> and so that's something I'm also reading right now yeah, which awesome. is really fun you know yeah. like I always try to have a spiritual book a business or serious book and then a yeah. fun book to yeah. read, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and this book is really fun. And I'm learning a lot about ways that I can, you know, fix things in the house and uh, ways that I can uh, fix little uh, heal myself, yeah. so to speak, you know, <laughs> with home remedies. Uh -huh. So oh, that's, that's awesome. a lot of fun to read. That's and then, um, of course, I'm um, just finishing um, or just finished, rather, the Class of 65, mm -hmm. which um, Jim Mockmoody uh, wrote, and he's our next speaker next Wednesday, actually, at 7 p.m. for our okay. Beyond Book series. Awesome, Beyond Book series. Yeah. We, we um, see, what date is that? The 14th? That is the 14th. 14th. Yes, hey. yes. That's wonderful. <laughs> we realize it's on Valentine's Day, but we're thinking, okay, there are some people who may not be going yeah. out for Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Now that was one of the books you uh, recommended, like as your like a best of. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and why, what what you liked so much about it, or why you enjoyed it so, much? or maybe enjoyed it's not the right word, but. Well, yeah, I I really loved the message of that book because it talked about a man who, when he was in high school, his school um, was integrated, mm. and he was like the only one he's a white man and he was the only one who really befriended the black students mm. and a lot of his friends and um, other students in the school really um, bullied him because yeah. of it and um, he went through a whole lot with those other students and so he didn't really have a great experience yeah. um, in high school. Um, and so 40 years later, he gets these letters in the mail from those students apologizing for wow. what they had done and realizing that they were wrong. And so it was amazing. And he had to weigh, you know, because of his experience and, you know, he had to weigh whether he really wanted to revisit that you know yeah yeah um because they had invited him to come to the reunion and wow. he was like hmm i don't know if i want to go and then he decided to go ahead and go and it was a wonderful story of reconciliation you know wow. yeah and um i just i just felt like it was a really um a really good story of forgiveness 
and um, I think everybody should should read it. Oh. It's it's really really a good story. Oh my goodness, I, I you know I may <laughs> we may have to make plans to go <laughs> to the yeah the you need to come out Wednesday night. Okay, we'll remember <laughs> that. We'll we'll even post something about that uh, on oh, either that the Facebook or the website or something just yes. to let people know because that would be great. That, that sounds incredible. I I remember reading somewhere if he that he was speaking, but I didn't know if it was something that had already happened. I can't remember where it was, but. Yeah, but that's great. To well, hear. he's spoken all over oh, the okay. city. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's been speaking all over. And then another book that, you know, my book club um, also had last year. We also had some authors come in and uh, talk to us about the book that we were reading. Mm-hmm. And um, one of those that I got to come in was Susan Rebecca White. Okay. And she wrote the book um, A Place at the Table. Okay. And so when my book club in January, when my book club um, asked everybody what was their favorite book of 2017, that was mine, A Place at the Table. I really Mm. enjoyed that one. And that one was based on Edna Lewis, Mm. who um, was an African-American woman who really helped bring the um, uh, idea of soul food to the masses in Mm. a way. Um, to the upper class too um, in New York and um, so um, the character in the book was a fictional character but it was Mm -hmm. based on her and it talked a lot about the uh, food of course which was great but also about her relationship with the white community in mm-hmm. uh, New York, in her the her part of New York, and and just getting into those high end restaurants yeah. and that type of thing, and that was really really a good story. Wow. Yeah. I was That's I, I was interested too. So Tim and I, this is something we're terrible at is <laughs> is uh, reading things that are current. So you said you kind of organize your reading in terms of topical, but also um, how much how much of what you read is like new current stuff. Is that the bulk of it, or do you, do you kind of mix it up? I would say I mix it up. Um, and to be honest, I'm a person who really likes nonfiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. prefer autobiographies. Oh, wow. So being in book clubs has forced me to read fiction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so now I'm starting to say, okay, I, I see the... Um, I see the reason why people like fiction, you know, but for a long time, I didn't read any fiction. I just read autobiographies and, Mm -hmm. and, um, books about how somebody started a business and, you know, things like that. Um, but I also really, really love reading spiritual books, Mm -hmm. um, because it's part of my own spiritual growth, you know, so that's really important to me. Well, we are in the metaphysical reading room, so, yeah. so if after the interview you want to check out Oh, some absolutely. <laughs> I'm all into metaphysical. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So what are your hopes What are your hopes for the um, the future of the Wren's Nest, or what direction? I know you all do a Literary Atlanta uh, yes. podcast out of there. Um, what, what? How would you hope to see the Wren's Nest connecting mm. with the community and the community connecting with the Wren's Nest? Well, first I must say that we just recently got a new executive director, okay. um, Melissa Swindell, and she started um, the end of last summer. Mm. And she's been, you know, bringing a whole lot of new energy to the Wren's Nest. Yeah. Um, and so we've got all these new programs that we're planning to do, and I'm very excited about, mm. you know, the future 
um, of the Wren's Nest. Um, along with the new literary series, we're going to be doing a movie series in the summer for families, for the community oh, wow. to come and watch a movie and um, in our backyard, because our backyard is huge and we have a big stage. And um, that is going to be called Nest Flicks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Melissa yes. came up with that oh, name. That I love it. That is wonderful. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. And so um, we're really looking forward to that. We also have Jazz Matters, which is our jazz series that we Whoa. do every summer. Oh, and so people come. Oh, yeah, people come like Chastain Park. It's like that. You bring your yeah. chairs, you bring your food, and yeah, you just enjoy um, jazz. And that's I, like a four-month series. Man. So we really enjoy that. Um, next month, in March, we're participating in Phoenix Flies. Mm-hmm. Phoenix Flies is done through the Atlanta Preservation Center, mm-hmm. and that has a lot of the museums and historic sites offering free days yeah. in the month of March. So we'll be offering um, free days on, oh gosh, I think it's March 10th and 17th, yeah. which are Saturdays. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's wonderful. That, yeah. I think all, I mean, all of these just sound, I, I'm, it's just very encouraging to hear, <laughs> to hear you speak about this and the, the fact that there is such a, an impetus and a desire to preserve a lot of this heritage and to, yes. and not, I guess, preserve, but also introduce this to, to, to people who would be interested and who may, like me, not have known anything about it. It's just, it's Absolutely. really wonderful. We're really trying to reach out to a wider audience. So mm-hmm. anytime we get a chance to do something like this, it's really great because we know that there are still people out there who don't know that we yeah. exist. Yeah. 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 And this is kind of an interesting, you know, when we were introducing you, it was like, there's, I feel like there's so much that you do that we could introduce you as. But one other thing, you know, just while we were kind of doing our dive into like seeing what we could talk about with you. Um, we also learned a little bit about a website you are a journalist for, you write for called soulofamerica.com. Yes. And it seems to be also have that same bent of historic preservation or, or at least um, uh, making sure that the, that um, whether it be historical sites or cultural sites are um, not just protected, but, but known about and written about and kind of preserved. Can you tell a little bit about that website and how you uh, yes. became a part of that as well? Yes, actually, um, I did a story on Soul of America ah. when I was at CNN. Mm-hmm. And I kept in touch with um, Thomas Dorsey, who is the founder of it. And um, when I left CNN, um, he hired me to be one of the freelance writers for the website. It is the leading website for African American travelers. Yeah. And so um, basically, we go around to different cities in the U.S. as well as the Caribbean and actually all around the world, but I focused more on the southern U.S. and the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. and um, tell travelers where they can go to black-owned businesses, Mm -hmm. um, restaurants that offer um, soul food or Mm -hmm. that are black-owned, also black historic sites. Mm -hmm. That's really important. We really want them to uh, make sure that they make that part of their uh, visit, seeing a black historic site. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something I'm very passionate about. So um, I loved doing that. Mm-hmm. And and going around, especially in the southeast, yeah. um, and seeing all the black historic sites. That, oh, and, and I tell you, one of the places that, of course, Georgia and Atlanta have a lot of sites, but one of the places that really has a great civil rights trail is Alabama. 
you know, wow. they have a trail from Birmingham to Montgomery to Selma wow. to Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really amazing. And I really, really am passionate about cultural heritage tourism, you yeah. know, and oh, I, I yeah. think it's so important to preserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a it's a great way to know a city in a way we haven't before. Like yeah. um, if if people like me kind of move to Atlanta from outside and want to know like not just the coca-cola museum <laughs> right. or, like, or like that kind of stuff which uh but like to bring our kids into a world and a, an aspect of atlanta where they can really learn that that sort of cultural part of the city it's Absolutely. really beautiful so Absolutely. i'm glad you're doing that yeah i haven't i didn't get a chance to look at the chicago part but having lived there i also wonder what oh, i yeah. missed while i lived in yeah. chicago oh, the oh. dusable museum oh yeah oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot in chicago yeah <laughs> So if you want to know Atlanta, I mean, we are an Atlanta podcast, right? Yeah, so if you yeah. want to know Atlanta a little better, check out soulofamerica.com yeah. because there's there's some good It is uh, It is unbelievable. Like, just, I feel like I was on for maybe an hour, but I, I feel like I barely, the tip, I mean, there's just so much yes. content there, so many resources and there. there's been years of uh, collecting, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, mostly we do write-ups and then photos, yeah, you know, yeah. of the place. And oh, yeah. it, it takes some time. And, yeah. you know... Also, it takes some real research yeah. because some of these places are off the beaten path. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't know that they exist. You yeah. have to go to another neighborhood instead of where all the tourism is downtown mm-hmm. right. to find yeah. some of these places. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. It's great work. Is it? Is it? Um, is it a nonprofit or? or no, they, it's okay. not. No, it's oh, for good. profit. Okay. Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Good. That's great. But but <laughs> the I will say that the the uh, founder has done a lot out of his own pocket. Yeah. You know, I trying bet. to you know get it to where he wants it yeah. with yeah. Every, everybody knowing about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So visit first visit the Wren's Nest, of yeah. course. <laughs> uh, we need to put that on our plan too. Yeah. But also uh, check out soulofamerica.com and there's just a ton of stuff there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I must say about the Wren's Nest website, it's in the process of being revamped. Okay. So people may see it and say, oh, there's a lot of old stuff on here, but it's in the process. So yeah. it, okay. by the end of this month, we hope to have it done. Okay, oh, great. Wow. So keep checking back there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have a question. I, this is kind of like we're talking about books and how your love for reading, and this is a kind of going a step back. But I, I'm, I'm always curious to ask people this about their kind of first – the first time they were inspired by a book or fell in love with an author, is there something that, and it maybe it might be tough to remember, but uh, growing up, the first thing maybe you read or the first author maybe that made you want to to, to read, that made you, that helped you fall in love with reading, is there something that stands out in the past? Well, I have a couple of them. Um, I first learned to read with books called Sally, Dick, and Jane. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, were way yeah. back. <laughs> but um, those were uh, readers for elementary school students, and they learned to read. Uh, it would say, see Sally walk. Walk, yeah. Sally walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see spot run. Run, spot run. Yeah. You know, So it really taught you to read. Um, but um, I also remember reading a series of books with the um, main character being Henry Huggins. Henry Huggins. And I don't remember what the book was, but the character was Henry Huggins. And I just remember reading every book (laughs) they had about that. And I think he was like a sleuth, a teenage sleuth, you know? (laughs) And so I enjoyed that. And then um, one of my favorite books that I remember my mother reading to me 
uh, was the pokey little puppy. And so I found it at a Goodwill one time and I just had to buy it because it was one of my favorite books as a kid. So I still have that book now. Um, And I loved Cat in the Hat books. I really Mm -hmm. loved those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as kids, we had parents who were teachers. Yeah. So, you know, we, we read a lot. And yeah. our parents read to us, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, our, our mom would always read us a story before we went to bed at night, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah we, we learned early to enjoy yeah. reading. Yeah, we yeah. were working with in, in our work in this neighborhood here on Buford Highway. Um, we we read with a lot of kids and we just try to like there's something like you dropped in school and they try to teach you to read. But there's something that families that don't have reading in the home, the kids kind of miss just the pure joy of reading. Like, that's true. Like, a, um, of just, like, that's a time to connect with another person, yes. enjoy their company, yeah. hear their voice, and then uh, develop. So I think, I think that uh, just, like, just like how teaching them to tell their stories is important, also just reading and teaching people to uh, enjoy reading is is a hard and important job. And sometimes it doesn't happen in school, unfortunately. That is very true. That is very true. And um, also when someone is reading to you, they animate it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. you mm-hmm. really get the feel of the characters and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why so many people love um, the storytellers at the Rents Nest. They actually are not reading from books. Yeah. Yeah. They have memorized those stories yeah. and they animate them. Wow. And <sighs> I always wonderful. say that the kids who love them are ages two to 92 because, yeah, right. <laughs> because you know, even the adults love it. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's wonderful the way that they're able to animate those stories. Yeah. Awesome. I think a good story is a good story is a good story. So in reading your bio and kind of looking at, you know, looking at you up on the Wren's Nest, one of the things, one of the last things you mentioned is that you love being asked about African-American history. Yes. And I know, yes. you know there's a book podcast we've been talking on about throwing out book recommendations. If you had to recommend a, a significant book, like a book that really someone should read if they, if, and maybe not African-American history as a whole, but just mm-hmm. maybe even a certain period of time, is there mm-hmm. a book or maybe even multiple books that have inspired you and that you would recommend say hey this is what you need to read if you want to really learn about african-american history or facet of it is yes. there is there a few that you would recommend well, there's there are quite a few yeah but what i think you should start with mm-hmm. is um two okay they came before columbus mm. and huh. before the mayflower okay and this talks huh. about Africans traveling back and forth to the New World even before Columbus. Interesting. And what that relationship was like wow. with the Native Americans and all of that. Okay. And, I've and, never heard, man. Yeah. Wow. That those are good to start with. Okay. okay. Definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm very yeah. excited. I I've never yeah. even heard of those. I'm. Oh yes. I well, <laughs> I went to an HBCU. I went to Howard University in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and that's where I learned so much about yeah. you know our culture and our history and things yeah. that we didn't learn in elementary school. Yeah. You know, and and so um, I feel privileged that I got to go to Howard yeah. and and learn a lot of that and it really has. Um, help me to really stand in who I am, you yeah. know, in my legacy, you know, yeah. as as well as my ancestors. Yeah. So yeah. Oh well thank you so much for 
those recommendations. Yeah. We will definitely add those. And, and um, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of African American history, yes, um, for Black History Month, yes, uh, the Wren's Nest is having free Saturdays all month in mm-hmm. February, and our storytellers are actually enacting. <sighs> wow. African American historic figures. So wow. please come out to that. Absolutely. I think that's going to be great. Okay, thank you. And I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask. Yeah, we're in the middle of African American History Month. Yes. there's got to be something going on in the rents. Okay, Absolutely. perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for this. Thank this you. is wonderful. Yeah, well, we want we want to say thanks to our guests. This was a great yeah, conversation, was... and there's a lot more obviously learning, and there's a lot more conversation to be had. Yeah. So do drop by the Wren's Nest, um, please, if you get a chance. We also want to thank Atlanta Vintage Books for hosting this conversation. Um, we're here in their metaphysical reading room. If you happen to stop by this bookstore, um, you know, once after you visited the Wren's Nest, come stop by Atlanta Vintage Books. And if you happen to shop here, just say Tim and Ian sent you and they'll yeah. give you a 10% discount on your purchase yeah. uh, while you're here. Great. Yeah. And if you want to find us online, we're at uh, what are you reading podcast.com. And there you can kind of, that's kind of our hub where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and just kind of keep up with us, uh, respond, you know, if we have any, ask any questions, or just let us know what you're reading and what you're into right now. And uh, we'll, we'll post about it and talk about it. We're really excited to hear from you. We always want to hear from you guys. We really, the fact yeah. that anybody's listening, it really means a lot. <laughs> like with the fact yeah. that we have people that listen, I'm always like, what the, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's always, it always means a great deal to us. So we yeah. really appreciate it. And um, so I noticed at the end of your emails and your signature, you use this quote from Joel Chandler Harris. So I would love it. Would you uh, send us off on this episode by reading this quote? Happy to. Thank you so much. Write about what you know and care deeply about. When one puts oneself on paper, that is what is called good writing.